Warning! The episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 21 of Murder With My Mother. 21? Damn, girl. Can't even believe that. That's yeah. my new lines back again. I've been <laughs> it for a while. Got nothing good to say, so we're just going to recycle the old shit. Well, I actually can't believe it because I... How did how did we get to 21? Like, that's crazy. I don't know. Soon people will discover us for the first time and they'll have to scroll through, like, pages and pages and pages and pages of podcasts. <laughs> of 21 pages <laughs> of podcasts. So we are, yeah, back with episode 21. And yeah. we got a good one today. We do have a good one, but before we get to that, I'd like to uh, break a little news here and there. Oh, what's your news? Well, it's actually your news. <laughs> so my lovely daughter, Danica, decided that she would make me a grandmother again. Yeah, murder with my mother. There's actually a small daughter. Well, I don't know if it's a daughter, but that would be, that'd be a change. would be nice, actually. Would so be. Danica already made me a grandmother in... 2012 yes so i've been waiting for 10 years quite a long time <laughs> for it to happen again yep and i've been uh anxiously waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting yeah so if i've sounded a little tired for the last 12 weeks that is why because i have this little bean that's draining all my energy so <laughs> yeah and when we canceled a couple weeks ago and postponed for a week it's because she was just feeling too gross to get out of bed so too gross to do anything <laughs> now i guess maybe you guys could be like a little understanding of why we were flaky that week but she was also kind of bitchy at that point <laughs> also so i was actually kind of relieved when she postponed but she's taking a turn for the better and it's definitely a female <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll see. I thought your brother was a female and you were a male. So well, I mean, if you have your mother's intuition, you're screwed. Yeah, well, I like I said, it's just the bitchiness that's been like, oh, my, I'll say something and then be like, damn, girl, like you, you need to chill. And yeah, that's not my normal, normal. So yeah, yeah so that's exciting news yeah. for us. And hopefully by the time the baby's born, it won't be. Will it be still be considered a COVID baby? Uh, it was made I during COVID, yes, so, was... but hopefully some shit's going to relax pretty soon because as it is right now, her partner can't even go with her for an ultrasound or anything like that. It's only the mothers that are allowed to do any of that stuff by themselves. And Yeah, even the, know. anything, like the ultrasounds, the checkups. I mean, good thing he's not as, I mean, aware <laughs> of what goes on <laughs> at that and I can just update him. So, I mean, that's okay, but... Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have him there, but again, hopefully we're towards the end of this thing, so yeah. We've had some, uh, We in British Columbia, we moved into phase two yesterday, or I think it took place today, but they announced it yesterday. Mm -hmm. Nothing like a not a lot of notice. Yeah, so we're allowed interprovincial travel, <clears throat> so we can basically go throughout our own province, which is nice, because... We do have some nice spots in BC, and we have Maga that lives in Kelowna, so... Yeah, and we haven't be nice. been able to see her for Christmas, so we're probably going to end up doing Christmas in July, because she's still got all the presents at her house, and we, we still, still got have your all presents. hers, so... Yep. Yeah, and then also, I have a brother that lives in another province. Well, he's not allowed to come. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so... it. It will be nice to be able to travel through our province this summer and see lake country and the mountains and everything just because we are still not allowed to travel internationally and the borders to the U.S. are even still closed. They did say, though, that they probably will make an announcement in the next couple of days to when they're going to reopen the borders. But again, it will probably have to have like a vaccine passport and proof there. They said something about electronic proof that you're vaccinated and. It's because that fucking microchip they injected as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's not, not enough. The 5G. Yeah. Just drive across the border and the 5G will kick in. You still oh, only fuck. got the 4G. The so. best ever <laughs> is that my pregnancy bitchiness is like, okay, like I've talked about this on other episodes. I'm not 
like with the whole conspiracy anti-vaxxers like i have a lot of them on my facebook that i even they just keep on coming out of the woodworks but my my bitchiness the last couple weeks has been like oh fuck like i just and i want to comment on like every single post and then i have to be like no 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 to each their own we all i guess realize our fears differently and we all kind of think people are conspiring against us in different ways maybe yeah and you know what i'm the opposite i like to always try to see the better i mean i'm sure people have picked up on that where i'm trying to see the better in the situation i don't want to think that our government is either putting microchips on us or did you know some people like this flu was on purpose they did this to us on purpose you know like if that's the case i just want to live in denial because i don't want to have i'm already an anxious person naturally and trust me these hormones are not helping with that so yeah well Maybe one day it'll all come out, but I doubt it ever will. I mean, we're still talking about whether aliens came to the Earth. Oh, they for sure did. (laughs) But another thing, too, obviously, (laughs) that, um, you know, that we talked about last time that we touched on. Another thing about our government, and I mean, I don't know who had a hand in this. I think it was mostly the church. About the residential schools, they have um, gone to a few more locations, and unfortunately, they have found more graves so i think that the number is almost 400 kids that they found um i'm not celebrating canada day this year because like i said in the last episode fuck you canada for right now um but yeah i will keep you guys posted obviously it's not something that is very i mean now it's it's covered because so we live in the day of social media so you can't hide as much as before, everyone's pretty much aware of what's going on, so, I mean... And, I mean, we're uncovering an atrocious genocide Yeah. that, you know, we weren't aware of. Many of us were not aware of it. I'm sure that the Indigenous people have been aware of it the whole time, mm-hmm. and they were the ones that lived it. And I'm glad that it's being brought out to our awareness so that we can definitely take the steps to make sure that nothing like this ever, ever, ever happens again. I mean, it's such an atrocity, and... I feel very ashamed that my ancestors committed this atrocity. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's obviously even just talking about it gets me like I get worked up. Like you have to think we still hunt Nazi war criminals. I believe that they should be on the same page. Like, again, hormones. I was watching some movies about it the other night and was getting so worked up because some of these people, if the last residential school closed in 1996, Some of these people, okay, let's say the oldest nun there was, like, 60. They're probably, like, 90 years old. Yeah. You know, like, let's kill them. (laughs) Like, I know that's obviously not rational thinking, but at the same time, like, that's just, I don't know. It's just so crazy that these people were, they're just, were allowed off scot-free, you know? I just, I I can't even It's crazy that people are wandering the earth with that amount of evil within them. Yeah. Among us. Like, we talk about these killers and these terrible things that serial killers and everyone did and we're putting them in a whole different category of deviant Mm. and it turns out there actually are a lot more people that are capable of the stuff and you know if you're killing children that's fucked like that's the level just because of what their ethnic background right like that's just trying to it literally they said and it was like broadly like it was like broadcasted like take the take the indian out of the child like what's yeah. wrong with the indian and leave it alone like, i leave mean the, the, the thing is alone. is that this is the country that they had yeah. it wasn't our country canada it's yeah. like literally that is literally <laughs> yeah it's i, I mean the fact that we came here and were i'm not we uh-uh <laughs> i'm not i you know i'm gonna identify as like i was in a I don't know. I I can't even, it makes me so mad. So I know, but we still have to be aware that that's where we came from also. I mean, that is something that we have to remember, like Mm -hmm. I said before, in order for it to never be repeated again. Oh yeah. Not that that's in you or I. No, but I know. However, yes. Well, I mean, now that we're in a fight with each other, (laughs) we're going (laughs) to, we're my other side. I mean, we're going to lead into today's episode and Today's episode was requested by, I think, one of our most loyal listeners. Yeah, Brent. Brent BLB. What's up, Brent? And, Happy Thursday. And we don't even know, Brent, if we're saying your name properly, but yeah. you never corrected me the other day, so I'm assuming that it is correct. Yeah. Mr. So, BLB. Yes. 
So like we were saying, I mean, there's people that walk the earth and are a lot of the time we cover cases where people are like, oh, my, you know, some people are like, oh, no, we knew this guy was creepy or we knew this, you know, they were out in the open and oh, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them, whatever. But this case is just it's a case of honestly murder. (laughs) It is a case of murder and it's a terrible, terrible, terrible loss of a young person. Yeah, but it's all this stuff that happens after the murder and the taunting and the just the games like the cat and mouse game that this guy was playing like you a lot of the time obviously when you kill someone you kind of try to stay under the radar and you kind of try to fly most of the killers we cover they're to themselves obviously yeah we have the trophies and we have the stuff like that but this one was like come and get me you're gonna see yeah with this case like it's definitely it's definitely a twisted, very convoluted and strange thing that happened for sure. Yeah, and it happened like half an hour away from where we live. So another local case for us. So today we're going to cover the murder of Tanya Smith and the attempted murder of Misty Cockrell and the person that tried to kill Misty and did end up killing Tanya is named Terry Driver and he's otherwise known as the Abbotsford Killer. So that's the case we have for you today. So we hope you guys enjoy it. This case takes place in 1995 and the world was quite a different place back in 1995. I mean you were only three years old so you don't remember but people didn't have cell phones and the internet and all of that kind of stuff. It was a much more innocent time. And at the same time, I think there was probably a lot of stuff going on that wasn't, no one knew about, like everything was kind of still hidden out. And Mm -hmm. it was even before really DNA and all that stuff was. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it was kind of on the cusp of, of all of that stuff for sure. So it was October the 13th, which just happened to be a Friday the 13th. Which makes it extra creepy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was 1995, and there were two girls that were best friends, Tanya Smith and Misty Cockrell, and they were 16 years old, and they had been to a party in a town uh, probably about 45 minutes away from where they lived. So they, yeah, so they were, they went to a party in Surrey, which is a pretty big um, area in the lower mainland, and they lived in Abbotsford. And Abbotsford is otherwise known as the Bible Belt. There's Mm -hmm. more churches per capita than anywhere else, I think, maybe even in Canada. For sure. And I think at this time, it was more kind of where you went to, obviously, if you're religious, it was very, the religious capital, but it was like where you went to get away from the city to like raise your kids and have like a wholesome upbringing. They call it like a bedroom city of Vancouver. Yeah. And it had a lot of farming and uh, stuff like that. Like a lot of churches. Yeah. A lot of churches, a lot of agriculture. It still does. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful. It has a lot of rugged, wild wilderness. I guess I can't say that all in one (laughs) sentence. And yeah. So unassumingly, these That's two where you young, would feel safe, yeah. right? Yeah. And Tanya's family had actually just moved out of town in Abbotsford. So her parents were really wanting to keep the kids safe and move them somewhere that they could have horses and they weren't subjected to the city that was basically starting to creep into Abbotsford at the time. Yeah. And Abbotsford, I mean, later down the road did turn to be quite, not dangerous, but it was very gang is like a gangland kind of later in the 2000s you know it did start to get so maybe they had some kind of idea like oh you know stuff starting to happen that we're not liking so they just moved it moved their family further away yeah so um they were staying the night at misty's house and they had a curfew so they went home after the party in surrey but misty's parents weren't home yet so they heard that there was a party a couple blocks away a friend's birthday party was a couple blocks away And since their parents weren't home, they decided, as Mm 16-year-old girls will do... Been there. Or in your case, 14. Yeah. (laughs) um, To go to this other party, and it was in walking distance, so they just left and started walking. And when they were walking, they were talking and laughing and having fun and saying, like, it's Friday the 13th, what if a crazed killer comes after us? Yeah. 
just kind of like ironically joking and creeping each other out. And then from a large hedge, bam. Which is creepy enough. Yeah. Out jumps this man with a baseball bat in his hand and he says, you bitches want a party? And I have heard the interview with uh, Misty Cockrell. She says he basically grabbed them both by the arm and drug them through the hedge to the other side where there was a side yard that was grassy and it was it was covered because the hedges were there. Well, and Abbotsford is very rural, right? So yeah. there is a lot of space in between. Not not so much these days. It is still very rural. It is very farmlandy, but it's very back in then I can th those days I can just imagine that they were probably mile like a couple kilometers away from some from other people, right? So Yeah. So he had a baseball bat in his hand and he told them to both take their clothes off. That would be so creepy. So Misty froze and didn't take her clothes off and Tanya just did the opposite and started obeying him because he was, mm -hmm. had a baseball bat and he was going to hit them with well, it. Well, until you're in that moment, which I mean, hopefully nobody ever has to it does happen, but it's like you can't that's not something you can prepare for. Do you no. know if you're going to you fight know, or flight or you flight don't know. exactly? Yeah. I've been in situations before where I've just frozen. Yeah, because you don't know, yeah. right? And you're so scared, and it's just something, you, again, you can't prepare for that. <clears throat> so he started to rape Tanya, and Misty kind of came out of her frozenness, and she saw the bat laying on the ground, so she hit him with the bat Good while he was sexually assaulting Tanya. Um, but at that point... He wrestled the baseball bat mm -hmm. away from her and began to beat her with it. Well, and as much as women don't like to, I mean, obviously a, a man, a full grown man in comparison to a 16 year old girl is going to have a lot of, a lot more strength and, you know, good for her for trying. But again, that probably just pissed him off even more. Right. Yeah. And he was saying stuff like, you're going to be sorry, bitch, and you're going to die. And he was, she said he was taking uh, home run swings at her head. Ugh. And she remembers up to seven of the swings. Yeah, like imagine counting out. that, right? Like poor Misty. She said she was looking the yard there and she could see her school from. Yeah. And she was looking at her school thinking, is this going to be the last time I see my school? Like, she's such a young girl. Yeah. And your friend is being sexually assaulted right in front of you. So you probably at some, in some aspect, like almost turn off and focus on like survival you know like yeah because are you next is he gonna do that to you you know that's so surreal to just happen all of a sudden some guy drags you into the bushes and rapes you and your you know like that's it's yeah it's totally surreal like i wouldn't i hope i never experienced something like no, that and yeah. that has to be for the rest of your life if you survive an attack like that the most like it has to be so haunting well and you hear in some interviews misty talk about just looking at tanya and that tanya i guess had she had a very big eyes and like you know she was a very expressive person and and just watching her it was almost like she was just numb just there scared obviously yeah. right just being sexually assaulted and I know that he had her on her hands and knees so you know that's just it's a lot of a lot for someone to take in that's your best you know your best friends being uh, assaulted, assaulted right and you. subsequently you know like just yeah that's very got to be very very traumatic so he um beat misty until she was unconscious and when she woke up i've heard two different things i heard she wore she woke up at one point and tanya was laying beside her and she passed right back out again and then i heard that she woke up and no one was beside her that's what ultimately happened so she got up crazily enough and was mm -hmm. able to walk around and she was looking for Tanya. They say she walked around for five hours. That's crazy. Looking for Tanya. And by the time she she ended up wandering into the Abbotsford General Hospital, uh, she had a what was described as a fist size hole in her skull, a broken arm and a broken finger. And she had hypothermia because she'd been out yeah. walking around and it was October for such a long time. Well, and think if you have some big, large wound in your head, that's probably going to allow you to... Well, she was bleeding and bleeding Yeah, and bleeding you're too. losing blood and you're, you know, that's, oh, that's so sad. So she went in, walked into the hospital and she, her injury was, especially her, her, her head wound was life-threatening, but she was able to tell them that her friend was out there missing. Yeah. 
So she told her friend's name and that her friend was missing. And then she started to go kind of delusional. And she said that one of the nurse's husbands had done it and a bunch mm. of like crazy stuff. But she did get the important message out that her friend Tanya was missing so that the nine or the people in the hospital were able to call 911 and tell them what she had said before she was rushed into surgery. So the next day, um, so there's there's a city that is then about 30 minutes away from Abbotsford, and the name of that city is Chilliwack. And there's a river system, there's quite a few river systems that run through there, and one of the rivers is called the Vedder River, and it's very popular for uh, fishing, fishing, especially in the fall yeah. when, the, when the fish are spawning, the salmon. So the Abbotsford police started to look for Tanya that night but there was no luck and that next morning someone had gone to go fishing two guys went to go fishing and they saw the body of a young female floating face down in the Vedder River in just a small amount of water right? yeah it wasn't like she was in it's like, like totally 13 submersed. inches of water yeah. or something and her clothes were strewn all about on the top and trees and around her and just like yeah like pretty much like hey yeah I'm like here. it was like someone wanted her to be found so by that point it had kind of gotten around to the Chilliwack police obviously that this was going on so they brought when they went down to the river they brought a picture of Tanya and were able to identify her from the yeah right at the scene yeah terrible which I, I think in a way is good that they were able to identify her right away because I mean back like you said there was no cell phones there was no internet nowadays if a kid goes missing it's on Facebook in 10 minutes like this kid's missing you know or anything so it was or even Amber Alert that, exactly. that didn't even exist no so I mean it's good that they obviously it's not good that this had happened but it's good that they were able to identify her and so they could you know they knew that this was because of Misty's story that they knew that this person had been assaulted, this person had been, you know, so they could collect the proper evidence to. And oddly enough, someone ended up calling the news right when they were finding the body. Someone mm. called the news and a report and reporters showed up right away. So this case was very much in the public eye right from the beginning because someone kept tipping off. Someone, yes. Yeah, kept tipping off the, the journalists. There were a few things and details about the body that the police kept as holdback evidence. Yeah, which is, we always cover that in cases. It's much better because then they know. It's only the killer that's going to know that. And one of the things that they kept was that there was a bite mark to the right breast of Tanya. And no one really would have known that. No, because it was just the police. They never, they never released that. Yeah, so the police were about that day, they or a couple days later, I think, setting up a tip line, mm -hmm. uh, and they were just in the beginning of stages of setting it up, and the, 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 the. <laughs> oh. so the lead uh, investigator answered the phone, and a man had called in and said that he had driven Misty to the hospital. Which, which is weird because she was walking around for hours and hours. Yeah, she had hypothermia, so that was... And wouldn't you walk her in and be like, excuse me, I found this girl, she's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Like, if I were to find some, a teenager especially, anybody, if I were to find someone in that condition, I would probably walk the, assist them inside, yeah, you know? Yeah, or like just call 911 when you saw them. <laughs> yeah. So the police tried to get him to come in and talk to them because they thought that was weird and they pretty much knew it was bullshit because mm -hmm. she had been walking around for so long. And the caller hung up. Yeah. And he so, said the detective said he could hear a train in the background, which I think back in the day you'd have to pretty much rely on what the surroundings were to know where someone was. I mean, they could track the call, but... Well, they did track the call and not that call because they didn't realize it was important, but... Mm -hmm. The fact that a train was so clearly in the background uh, kind of narrowed it yeah, down. Yeah, kind of right? narrowed it down that it was probably an, a call made from outside also. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember, like back in those days, we still had pay phones yeah. everywhere. I miss pay phones. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> like 
Now when your cell phone dies, you're fucked, basically. Oh, yeah. Well, there's charging stations everywhere, oh, so not really. There is? But yeah, everywhere. What if you Where forget you been? Your, what if you forget your phone at home? Like well, I then, always do. Geez, then you're just hooped. Then I, then I need a quarter and a payphone. Anyway, so the next day after that, the same caller called back, and we have a recording of that call. Super creepy. So if you didn't catch that, the the caller says, because very poor sound quality, fucking payphones. <laughs> but um, so the the caller says, I just want you to know who I am. I'm the killer. Yeah. Tanya's right nipple tasted so good. Which is like the creepiest thing you could probably hear. So, da-na-na-na. Yeah. It clearly was the killer because no one else knew about the bite mark. So, so that probably just sent the police into like a hysteria because they were like, oh my God. Like the, you know, they that's when they sent the police. They tracked yeah, the call. so they tracked the call to a payphone. And it was right across the street from an ice arena. And they sent a forensics team there to dust the payphone for prints. Mm-hmm. And a couple hours later, someone called 911, not the tip line, and said, you guys did a real thorough job, but did you think I would be so stupid to leave fingerprints behind? This guy's a fucker. Like, he's obviously just taunting and taunting, and obviously it gets worse and worse and worse. And then he calls back 20 minutes later and says, are you having trouble finding the killer? And the dispatch officer from 911 says, like, uh, <laughs> did you want to provide information to the police? No, I'm the one. I'm giving you a chance to try and find me. I'll be cruising around looking for someone else. And just so you know who I am, Tanya's nipple tasted really good. And the dispatcher asked, and what is your name? And then the killer hung up. So it's like he wants, like, obviously he wants to taunt them, but he obviously doesn't want to be caught for it, which is like... Make up your mind. <laughs> Mom, you got a dog. A big dog, too. I do. He's pretty big. He's over 100 pounds. Do you ever take him anywhere and get, like, super stinky and, like... <laughs> Every single at least second day. Well, good. I'm glad I'm not alone that my dog likes to roll in the stinkiest stuff at the park. So, for those long, stinky car rides home, I just started using First Sense dog dry shampoo. I also started using it and it's awesome. It's a lifesaver. So it is. First Sense. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and go to www.firstsense.ca. So in the meantime, Misty had made it through surgery and they had to move her to another hospital, which uh, was specializing in intensive care mm -hmm. and repairing her brain and all of that stuff. She had to have holes drilled in her skull because her brain was swelling so yeah. badly. You hear of that with really bad cranial injuries. Like, yeah. you know, the brain swells so much because it's, that's what happens when your body's trying to protect itself. It's, it had a huge trauma happen to it. So, so when she woke up, um, every time she would wake up, there would be detectives sitting by her bed and eventually she was well enough pretty early actually to um help the she's a strong girl for sure she she's yeah. yeah she helped the forensic artist do a a sketch of the perpetrator and i know that the whole time she was in the hospital um i think up until tanya's funeral they didn't tell her that tanya was had passed away they because she kept asking because that's obviously you have to think before she was injured like that that's all she was witnessing was her friend being sexually assaulted so that's big on her mind and so she kept asking where's tanya how is she and they were like oh she's in another part of the hospital and yeah you know, they she, weren't telling her the truth because obviously they wanted her to pull through yeah so she did the sketch with the sketch artist and that's the ugliest sketch i know <laughs> it's the ugliest man we'll put seen. we'll put a picture of the sketch on maybe on the um yeah in instagram page and it was, the guy in the sketch was, like, very narrow-faced and dark-haired and balding, kind of, like, looked like a creepy killer, really. Yeah, well, fitting, I guess. So, about a week later, um, Tanya's family had the funeral. But they didn't know that this creepy fucker who was, because, again, they have the sketch, but they don't actually know what he looks like. He was actually at the funeral. So that's super creepy, but you do hear that is very common, especially these cocky ass killers, the ones that are like, yeah. catch me if you can, but you can't like the balls and the audacity he had to go to the family's 
funeral that they're holding for their daughter when you are the one that just brutally killed her. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and the police um, make a practice of videoing everybody that goes the funerals because 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 they this know it's is so a very common, common yeah. thing that happens. Well, because people that are you have to think if you kill someone and they again they have hold back evidence they have all that stuff that they only are keeping between the police. But if you're looking for maybe just a tidbit of information or something like that, and you want to actually, because you hear when people are missing a lot of the time, that the killers will go with them, like go into the search parties, or yeah. go to the, it's like this. Like this is disturbed. Well, because you, they inter, they interject themselves into an investigation on purpose. Oh, so weird. Not if you're lying cunt though. Then, then you just <laughs> well, pre- I don't know. Well, that's all still unfolding. Yeah. So, uh, on Halloween, they hadn't heard from him since a couple days after the murder. And on Halloween, he made another phone call from a payphone that was just outside of a sports bar. And he was repeating everything he would said before. But he was saying that... Uh, he was saying with more detail now, right? Like, this is well, what Well, he did. was actually saying that... Tanya wasn't his first victim and she wouldn't be his last victim. And he was saying a lot of detail about what he would do to his next victim. And obviously the police have no reason not to believe him right now because you don't just, it's very rare that you just jump to doing that to two girls walking on their own. You're not just going to get the balls all of a sudden to, to do that. So they probably were very worried because it does seem like, and in the Valley, which Abbotsford is in something we call a Valley, it's not far, it's very on the highway so it's not far because so do they know if he's murdered or murdered or assaulted in other jurisdictions you know and now that he's saying like i'm this isn't my first time like obviously they're gonna believe him so the police were so worried about it that they actually and i remember this so well they set up uh like a phone line that you could call and we used to call it like we thought that the first of all that the guy in the picture looked like um our friend's margaret's husband mike oh my god it looked exactly like him so we were always like oh my god i think mike's the abbotsford killer but he was like i don't know he wasn't the killer type but whatever anyway so yeah my friend sandy and i always used to say like i think it's mike like he looks like should we call i think someone actually did i think two people actually did call on mike because he looked like just like the sketch that's crazy so um the like I was saying, they set up this phone line that you could call into and you could listen to the voice of the killer and they edited out some of the holdback information, but they had his voice saying stuff. And then there was a you could call the tip line. If you think it sounds like Mike, <laughs> then call the tip line and report that it's Mike. But so that's how worried they were that's about very it. Very smart though, because think about it. Your voice is like a signature. Like you know, people's voices are not usually the same. It's very rare. I mean, unless you're you and I. So yeah, we <laughs> you do know sound quite a bit alike. But, but yeah, like a if you're say like a family member or a friend or a wife or something, a child even. You know, if yeah. he had old enough children to be like, oh my god, that sounds like my dad or that sounds like this person. And if you think about it now, like look at, for instance, the Trina Hunt case that is happening that we're obsessed with right now, getting justice for Trina. The police aren't really letting go of any of their evidence right now. Like they're not, it was different back then. Like they must have mm-hmm. had more and this guy was like way more showboaty. But they were releasing a lot of stuff and they were actually even releasing stuff like telling people to be careful and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Whereas now I find that investigations tend to take more of a like, Oh, don't panic the public. Which I don't like because I, like I've said before in other episodes, I would rather be aware and be alert and yeah, like a little too scared than just be fucking like, Oh, well I might get bit by a coyote in Stanley park, but no one's killing anyone when there are people raping people. Like, yeah, I don't know. Obviously the police are, yeah, the police are doing an important job and they, they know what's best. Oh, do they? But yeah. So in this case, they did a great job because they did warn the public. Yeah, like, this was like this was like one of the cases that we've done where the police were the most communicative. Did their fucking job, yeah. And so Misty was actually able to identify the voice of, of the man that attacked her and killed and Tanya. Say, yeah, yeah it was that him. was him. Yeah. 
So there's a radio station in Abbotsford and called Radio Max Station. And I don't think it's still playing, but um, no one had heard from the killer after that last phone call for that was Halloween. So about four months. Well, they actually in between that they arrested someone that looked like the like the sketch. Yeah. And he was in custody for two months until they could clear him because With they the did have DNA yeah. from Tanya. That was the other holdback evidence they yeah. had was DNA. Um, they had DNA both on the bite mark and DNA inside of her from the, the killer semen. semen. Yeah. And that's, that actually surprised me that like back in those days, they could get that kind of DNA mm-hmm. from a body that had been in the water. Well, I don't, I think actually, because if you revert back to the green river case, yeah, that's why Gary Ridgway was caught because he would, he would ejaculate inside them and then he would put rocks and stuff. Yeah. But you have to think a vagina is very, I mean, it's a closed orifice, right? So yeah. if something gets up in there, I think it's just good that they knew to look for that DNA, especially because she had been in the water, but she wasn't submerged in the water. Oh, that's true. She was in a shallow amount. Yeah. So I think that obviously worked in the favor of the investigation when it came to the DNA evidence. So, as we're saying, then they've arrested another man and for two months, for two months. And he wasn't really a poor guy because he had been charged with sexual assault and stuff in the past, but they kept that hush hush. But in that time that they had arrested that guy and they were waiting for the DNA and stuff to come back, they had no more calls from the killer. So that's why the police thought it was their guy. Yeah, They thought that for sure. And then they had a forensic odontologist and um, the DNA. So the bite mark was checked and it did not match. And the DNA also did not match. So they Which knew. Odontology, uh, I mean, it's not a 100% science because I've watched episodes of Forensic Files where there was a guy, it was called the Snaggletooth Killer because this guy had a snaggletooth. And this guy did like, I want to say 12 years in jail because they thought it was him. And then it wasn't. It was a guy with the exact same snaggle tooth that he had, which is so, oh, yeah. God. Can you imagine? So this poor guy. Because... I would have been screwed before braces. Yeah, right? So, well, now think about it. If you have braces and other people have braces and your teeth all look the same. Yeah. So once that killer was ruled out, the... <laughs> that killer. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a killer, the but... suspect was ruled yeah. out. He might be a killer. Just oh, didn't maybe. get caught yet. Yeah. Anyway, once that suspect was ruled out... Uh, the real killer put in a phone call to the Radio Max station in Abbotsford and said that he was the killer and told them to go outside and look that he left a surprise. Wait, first wasn't there, because didn't they actually have a psychologist um, come in and help them before because they did an article saying, oh, this guy moved out of the city, he's no longer here because they were actually trying to bait him. I don't remember know. that actually yeah. happened first. Okay. So before he called the radio to say, Hey motherfuckers, you know, basically yeah. creepy, I'm um, the killer, whatever. They had someone come in because they knew because of his contact to the police already, like that obviously he was attention seeking. Yes. And so they got a psychologist to help them write an article saying, ah. Oh, this killer isn't here anymore. He's moved on. Um, you know, everybody it's okay. Don't worry. And obviously as we know, he liked to cause fear and panic and because it's a control thing, yeah, obviously. Yeah, it's a power thing, especially yeah. from, you know, the things he's saying, like, I'm the one. Yeah, but I mean, the shit that he did at the radio station is fucking weird and creepy and, ugh. So, he did this call and told the DJ to go and look outside and the DJ went and looked outside on his car. The Max, it was like literally like the, what's it called? Max? It's the Max uh, radio station, like the, the station car yeah. that was, you know, like bub- uh, wrapped with all of the yeah, logo yeah. and everything. And Tanya's family had had this beautiful headstone made with her picture on it. Mm-hmm. And the fucker had actually stolen her 190 pound headstone from her grave and dropped it on the hood of the passenger side of the hood of the car of the car of the dj max car but like to be like hey you think i'm not here anymore obviously the article that they wrote got them he got his attention but again to go so 
out of your way. Like you're victimizing. Well, and this was midday. Yeah. And you're victimizing the family all over again. They just had this beautiful service for obviously a horrible loss and they, you know, had this nice headstone. And I think that a lot of the community actually pulled together to go to the funeral, to go to the service, you know, the service and, and everybody felt this because again, how scary is it that two girls were targeted out of nowhere in this so little brutally, community? Exactly. When everyone's religious and it's like, you know, so that's oh, just Jesus. so, yeah. Anyway, so, so brazen. <laughs> he wrote, he defaced the headstone also. So yeah. He wrote some weird shit on he it. He wrote in felt pen. Um, she was not the first. He also wrote, she won't be the last. Like shit that would scare the fuck out of the community. And he wrote, I'm still looking. You won't find me. And then he also wrote one day Misty. He also had yummy tit on there. too. Yeah. And with an arrow pointing to Tanya's chest. So he was feeding off that attention after that. And he called again two days later and just kept from a payphone. I just kept saying Tanya won't be the last one. But this time, the police went to the payphone that the call was made from, and someone had seen him and was able to give the, a description of him and the vehicle that he drove. And I think that because they said that he had red hair, remember? Yeah. So I think that obviously is going to narrow it down. Now they can add to the sketch because they kept releasing sketches based well, on Tanya, tips they were Yeah, getting. Tanya was, or not Tanya, Misty was giving sketches, but you have to remember, like, she had a brain injury. Yeah. So her memory was not of someone with red hair. It was, no. you know, this, it was Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Poor Mike. and so a few days later, a woman called, um, the 911. So she was just sitting, a random woman just sitting in her house and someone threw a wrench through her front window and it had an envelope taped to both sides of it. And on the front of the envelope, it said, from the killer call 911 on one side and on the other side it said from the abbey killer call 911 so good thing she didn't touch it she just called 911 yeah. but you know what is another good thing is all these stupid fucks that use tape that tie people up with tape i mean unless you have gloves on a lot of stuff gets stuck to tape. So. And another thing is, if you've ever touched that tape before, like you're using the same mm-hmm. roll of tape, not that I want to give anyone tips, but if you're using the same roll of tape that you used last Christmas to wrap your kid's Christmas presents oh, yeah. with, your fingerprints are going to be on that fucking tape. And not tape even because... just fingerprints, sometimes hair, well, look at uh, tape. carpet fibers, you know, and yeah. all of that stuff now, because DNA, obviously 1995, a fingerprint was the jackpot, which they did find on the tape yeah so he was getting a little sloppier because they found a fingerprint on the sticky side of the tape and it had like pictures of misty in it right that said she's lucky to be alive like just so so inside the envelope was a newspaper picture of misty with the words yeah lucky to be alive written across her forehead as well as a picture of tanya and also included uh, was a long letter confessing to the rape and murder of Tanya Smith and the insu- the assault on Misty Cockrell, as well as three other assaults that had just occurred in Abbotsford. And they knew because they were reported. So they knew that these were actually legit assaults that had happened. So the letter uh, said, hello, it's me. Yes, sirree. Hello, it's me. Yes, sirree. <laughs> Tanya's right nipple sure did taste good. By the way, Tanya was wearing sandals that night that I threw, and I threw them with the other stuff. The letter goes on to describe the attack in detail as well as other conquests and ended in another taunt. Bye, guys. This is the last you'll hear from me. Till next time. Good luck. Like, he's such a... He gets a rise out of taunting. Because you have to think, you know, most of the time people take souvenirs and trophies and stuff, and that kind of gets them off, gets them off, obviously. But... Just the fact that he kept interjecting, interjecting to let them know and saying creepier and creepier stuff every time. Well, and he was saying stuff like, by now the holdback evidence was out because he kept saying it and writing it and whatever. But in this letter, he wrote things that only someone that had done these other three assaults would have known. So one of them was um, the assault on a 12-year-old girl that he had groped, but she got away. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second victim was attacked from behind and struck in the head and knocked her out and the third victim um was actually an inpatient at 
a mental illness facility. And her backpack was found up on top of the roof, right? Well, and he said that in the in the mm-hmm. letter. So he um, made Obviously some derogatory remarks about about that woman and said she was indigenous and a bunch of other rude stuff. And then he... But all um, of that stuff is pointing to, okay, this totally. guy is actually legit. He actually did do these things. And then he said that um, he had thrown her backpack on a roof of a body shop. And that's actually where it was found. So... Yeah, so he obviously was being serious. Yeah, so they knew now, like, this is even getting more and more serious because he said all this stuff that's actually happened. But also inside the envelope, he included clippings from the Vancouver Sun on the unsolved murders of three women. Yeah, three of them were, they were working girls, right? Yeah. In Vancouver. So two of them were, or one of them was a working girl, a sex worker. And uh, one of them was killed at her father's Richmond office while she was arranging a surprise wedding anniversary for her parents. This guy's a fuck. And another one was attacked while getting off the bus. And they were all stabbed to death in 1989. So this is crazy. Crazy, crazy, And again, so why would the police, because he's already killed one and then taunted the police, ripped off the fucking headstone, like... Thrown in a car in the middle of the day, done all the thrown something through someone's window. Like, why would they not believe him? Like, he's so brazen. Like, yeah. this is this is like unheard of stuff. Like, yeah. this is crazy. Ironically, a man and his mother ended up calling into the tip line to the police, saying that they believed the voice on the tapes was actually the man's brother and the woman's son and the name of that man was terry driver so donald was the name of the brother so donald driver uh he pretty much said that he was remembered his brother talking about that he went to the funeral which if you think about it and you're just a member of society that's worried like you know we would probably go to something like that if you if it's a really big thing and but he said that they right after the funeral they got in a fight him and his brother they got in an argument and he said like don't fuck with me. You don't even know me anymore. You don't know what I'm capable of doing, which ding, 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 like neon flag. So I think that also he, I mean, his past also, right? So, well, yeah. And so I think being someone's brother, you know what they're capable of, you know, their voice and things probably started to click like, okay, why did he go to this funeral? And cause he was like married with children yeah, so he, it was found out that he went to the funeral with his two children who were three and four years old. Yeah. And later on, once the police knew who he was, they found video of him at the funeral. Yeah, so after the brother called and the mom, they um, they actually brought Terry in. They checked his fingerprints, and what do you know? It was a match to the fingerprint that they found on the tape that was on the wrench. And Terry didn't think it was going to be a match because he didn't realize that he'd left that fingerprint. So his he gave no permission for DNA to be taken, but he went in with his lawyer for questioning and was like, okay, you can take my fingerprints, but you have to destroy them right away after you take them. Well, and they actually had a lot of evidence against him that he didn't know because I think, again, at that time, you're not as aware of what kind of things can be used against you, right? It wasn't as well known as it is today. Obviously, yeah, okay, if you if you rape somebody and you leave your DNA inside them, you should probably clue in that they could use that against you. But like we always go back to over and over and over is they killers have, yeah, they think they're invincible. Yeah. So at the time of the attack, Terry was 31 years old. And again, like we said, he was a married father of two. So we always talk about like, wonder if the wife, you know, being married to someone like that, if you had any idea. So he was actually a Boy Scout leader. <laughs> And he was the son of a decorated former Vancouver police sergeant. So he was, he was someone that like, which I, I'm kind of like this, where if I had a police scanner, I would always probably listen to it. And that's what Terry did. So he would always, because you have to think that makes sense because he was always wanting to be in the know, always wanting to know what was going on with the investigation and keeping creepy. And he was like seemingly one step ahead of everybody. So that made sense because he was known to be a scanner chaser, right? Kind of listen to what they were saying and go and follow. And remember when you used to follow 
ambulances or police cars when we'd go places when they did see a lot of them well one time we pulled up and there was some guy on the porch with a gun and all the police officers had their gun drawn and i don't think we've done that ever since (laughs) so terry also had pretty much every his mom said like every single factor of the mcdonald triad yeah so he was uh starting fires when he was a child well and imagine you're you're the son of a police officer who yeah. probably is aware that he was this is- uncontrollable as a child. Like from the age of two, he would threaten to kill his mom. He would start fires. He would abuse animals. They actually gave him up to a home for disturbed disturbed children when I think he was like six years old. Yeah, so no and wonder. And they couldn't control him, so they gave him to another place. And by the time he was eleven. It had completely wrecked his parents' marriage, and they split up, and he was raised by his dad, who was a police officer, and that's where he got into the scanner chasing, because mm-hmm. he turned his psychoticness about fires and stuff like that into listening and being obsessed with the police. Yeah, and so it was, came out later that he would listen. He would make those calls, and then he would listen to, like, the, you know, the hysteria of the police, like, oh, like, go here, go here, go here. That's why he was, again, like you said, always one step ahead of them, and most of the time he had his kids with him yeah so if he was caught at the scene which he didn't really look like the the sketch all that much um but he would have his kids with him so no one would suspect like oh that's just a guy with his kids you know they're not thinking though that's the guy that murdered and is taunting us and is doing all these other things so and actually when he was arrested um everybody that was questioned said there's no way it was him. Mm-hmm. I think his family had oh, yeah. lived through what he was like as a kid, and he was such a bad, bad, bad kid. But I don't think anybody else, like his neighbors, he wasn't like super social with his neighbors, but nobody that was questioned or like interviewed for the news or whatever thought that it could have been him. Well, and he, as a kid, I think was diagnosed with things like ADHD, OCD, Tourette's syndrome, right? So he was, I mean he was unable to probably be on top of his behavior at all times, right? Yeah. So, and his, um, his defense team brought that all up. So, so after they matched the fingerprint, they arrested him because they had the evidence that they needed. And obviously, you know, later on it would be the DNA evidence and all that stuff. But so Terry was arrested. And so his story, because he didn't want to obviously be linked to the murder, even though he's a cocky piece of shit and was, taunting and taunting well, and, he and taunting knew they were going to find a bunch more stuff now yeah that they knew who... so his story was on the night of the 13th when misty and tanya were attacked he actually uh stumbled upon them after they had been attacked so and he saw a guy running from the scene yeah he said. that's what he said so he said that because um the two girls were unconscious and one of them was naked this was obviously because they now knew that his dna was inside of Tanya so he said well they were actually just laying there and one of them was naked and she had her legs spread so I just took it upon myself to have sex with her unconscious body because I couldn't help it because of my OCD and my Tourette's syndrome I have no impulse control and like okay I'm sorry I know people with OCD and Tourette's syndrome I don't think that that is just any kind of uh, excuse like that's it's not he was reaching he's obviously reaching yeah so he said that he pretty much she stopped breathing so he panicked and basically he because he again he realized that he left evidence on a dead girl's body this is what he's saying now because he he said that she stopped breathing so he loaded tanya into his car and then he drove missy to the hospital but after that he drove to his favorite spot on the better river and he just threw tanya's body in yeah, because now it came out that he was actually an avid fisherman on the Vetter River. So he would go there fishing with one of his workmates all the time. And when they interviewed his workmate, he was like, holy oh. shit, man. Yeah. He freaking called me that morning and said that he was fishing and was telling me that there was a police scene there and everything. Well, and so you think about it, he's he probably was the there. One, yeah, and he's probably the one that called He the, was the one. He yeah, said he was. He was the one that called the the media so that they could come cover because there was one guy who was in the media and he said it's weird that there were so many of us it's like someone called every news station and was like there's been a dead body there's been a dead body discovered so obviously again attention-seeking behavior this guy was like look at me i'm killing people like he had all these different excuses and each excuse that he used always led back to 
I was just trying to help. He finally admitted that he had accidentally killed Tanya because he thought she was dead when he was having sex with her unconscious body, and he didn't realize that she wasn't dead when he put her in the water, and he was really sorry for that, but he was really just trying to help. He kept saying, I'm j- I was just trying to help. I was just trying to help when I called the police. All those... He had to admit to all the phone calls and the mm-hmm. wrench and all of that stuff. And he kept saying, I was just trying to help. I was trying to keep it in the public eye. I was trying to help. Well, and all the evidence that, he, well, all his story, it didn't match the evidence that that they, that the police had because he was saying, you know, this and this, even about driving Misty to the hospital. They knew that no one drove Misty to the hospital. They knew she woke up at the scene where the attack happened by herself and then wandered looking for her friend in a obviously, you know, trauma-induced, head injury-induced, you know, like, state. And she was walking for so long, so that's why she had the hypothermia. That's why she had, you know, they knew that none of this stuff happened. Like, they knew that he wasn't being honest. They knew he was fucking crazy with everything, even from having him on video at the funeral. Yeah, and his defense team was very, like... Okay, they could see right through. They knew a jury was not going to be sympathetic to, oh, well, I just because of my OCD and my Tourette's, I stumbled upon a naked girl and raped her. Like, so, you know, but I mean, and Terry... then I called and taunted the police for months and months. <laughs> Terry actually chose to have a trial just by judge instead of a jury because he thought, I think his defense team thought that would be better off. Yeah. Because all they had to do was instill a little bit of doubt that that could have been the case because he had such issues with OCD and. ADHD and Tourette's syndrome and he also had abandonment issues from his parents sending him to the home for disturbed children and they had expert after expert after expert at the trial come up and testify Mm -hmm. about poor Terry and even this is the weirdest thing that I can't understand and maybe Terry Driver's mother or brother Donald if you're listening to this you're still still around why did you side with him later they sided with him. First of all, they took the reward money for turning him in. Second of all, then they said they believed his story that he had just arrived at the scene and... and just raped a helpless, unconscious girl. Yeah. That clearly, so, one of them had a horrible head injury. And they, and was probably they bleeding stood everywhere. up for him in the media and everything. Like, after... It's so weird because... They just talked about, like, what a shitty kid he was, and mm-hmm. they, they called were scared. Him in. Yeah. They were scared of him. He, he he threatened to kill his own mother for his whole childhood, and his parents gave him away because they were scared he was going to, like... He probably would have. ...burn down the house when yeah. they were all sleeping or something. He had this trial, and it was uh, Judge Wally Opal. He's my favorite. He is my favorite, too. Him. He was the judge on the missing women's... Um, well, he does a lot for the missing women's. Yeah. But he was the judge on the uh, Picton case also. Yeah. And he was also a judge. He was a, um, well, he was actually the, I think he was just the um, ministry, minister of justice, of justice at yeah. the time when actually a friend of mine was brutally attacked. And um, some of the guys that attacked him uh, were seen laughing after their sentence and all this stuff. And he actually saw the video and was like, nope, these guys need to have yeah, harsher they sentences. Need to be, yeah. So he's just a good all around. Yeah, he was a hard ass yeah. for sure. But you know what? I feel, and I've said this multiple times, Canada does not have a harsh justice system. It's like, it's for criminals that it's like about them and their recovery and their rehabilitation. It's not like harsh enough to be like, look, motherfucker, you did a brutal crime. You committed this brutal crime. You deserve yeah, to be in jail for the rest of your life. You chose to do this. So yeah, even the sick fuck clause or whatever we always talk about, you know, even the fact that, that existed is crazy. Yeah. So Wally Opal said at the end of, of the trial, I simply cannot find the words to describe and depict your horrible crimes. You murdered Tanya Smith for your own sexual gratification and you almost killed Misty Cockrell. They did nothing to provoke you. So he was found guilty of the rape and murder of Tanya and the assault on Misty. And in 2000, he was declared a dangerous offender. So he was uh, receiving an indefinite sentence. I know that at one point, I think it was in 2006, I think he was moved back to Abbotsford. So what happened actually, and this goes along with our justice system, Mm. is he was sent to a treatment center in 2006. And that was a big, 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 big uh, thing. Like, Well, honestly, even right now, I don't know 
if you guys remember, you must remember the Heather Thomas case. Yes. So that sick fuck, I don't even remember his name. Shane Ertmode. Oh, God, yeah. He actually has been in the news, just another part of our justice system, that he just got granted full, basically, day trips to go volunteer at some society. Like, so fun. But it's like, when you take, when you make the choice to kill, brutally kill a 10-year-old girl, you should be in jail for the rest of your life. If you make the choice to murder one 16-year-old, just attack two 16-year-olds for no reason, for your own sick fucking pleasure... You should be in jail for the rest of your life. Not a treatment facility. Not... Because if you could have been treated, it probably should have happened before you committed these heinous acts. So he was moved back into prison. Um, He was also charged with the three sexual assaults. Good. Um, Well, now that they had his DNA, they could probably link it all to them, right? But in May of this year, like just last month, (gasps) he had a parole hearing. And... Misty showed up and he was not granted parole because he's at a very high risk to reoffend. They yeah. Said. Well, think about it. all the all the attention that he was seeking, seeking like, you know, that's clearly that's almost like a, a drug in itself. Well, he has a personality fucking he's a whack job. Yeah. And I know that Misty Cockrell is I mean, what is she now? Probably a couple years younger than you. Yep. So and she's in her 40s and she's traveling around. She's a pub. She's in public speaking. Yeah. She's, in she's an advocate. Restorative justice yeah. and stuff like that. She's she's an amazing person. I think I saw a sign. I think she's actually doing real estate now too. Which is, I mean, good for her because yeah. the fact that she could, you know, do that healing, heal through such a traumatic event, watching your best friend be murdered in front of you, watching... You know, knowing that they were, I mean, obviously she didn't remember in the time and stuff like that. But I mean, just knowing that you did go through something like that and then being taunted and, you know. She was actually living, and this is pretty harsh for Canada, but they put her in witness protection, her and her family, when he was still out there. And that does not happen. No. But Misty says she will not let this define the rest of her life. Good for her. And, yeah. The fact that she can publicly speak and defend you know, and carry Tanya's memory and, and say, you know, this is not even to defend, define Tanya's life. It's not defined by this horrible, heinous way that you died. And that's what you and I like to really kind of hit home is obviously this happened and it's part of your story, but it's not your, all your story. And it's not, it's a little tiny glitch at the end that takes you away from everyone that loves you. And this sick fuck that had all that power and all that control and all that stuff, you know, he no longer has that. Now he's going to just rot in jail for the rest of his life, hopefully. So I don't really want to give this fucker any more attention right now. So we're just going to wrap it up. And we have had a long one today. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. But that was episode 21. So we hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to, again, the, the, like mom said, the psychopathy, the... Just the psychology behind why the fuck somebody would do all do this, that yeah. and and just try to re-victimize not even only Misty but re-victimize Tanya's family, the community. Because think of how scary that was, right? To live in a time in a community that you think is safe and and you know very rural and family oriented and just a community, you know. And then there's really a guy living amongst you that's even attending the funeral, you know, like that's. But just, one one thing we have to be grateful for is that his mom and his brother... Even though they switched back later. Yeah, but, but like, thank God they called because who knows yeah. what would have happened. So we hope very sincerely that as things continue to open up and you have a lot of other stuff that you might find interesting to do in your life, <laughs> that you'll still continue to give us a listen every second week and yeah. we'll try to keep things as interesting brent blb i really hope that we did the story that you wanted to hear the justice that you wanted to hear from it (laughs) yes so again everybody reach out to us murder with my mother pod on on instagram murder with my mother podcast at gmail.com if you guys want to leave any case suggestions i know i've gotten a couple and we're going to sort through those but again we're always open we started the list so i got one from my hairdresser shauna shout out to shauna that said i want you to do this case and then she wrote oh wait it wasn't a murder ha 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 (laughs) so yeah that's probably one of the that's okay shauna maybe you can think of another one i know that you probably have a lot of good ideas so yeah hit me up girl 
Yeah, so that was another episode of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. This old bitch is about to be a grandma for the second time. <laughs> so I think by the time, oh no, I was going to say, I think by the time we do the next episode, you guys will know, I'm finding out the gender or the, the birth gender of my child. So yeah, we'll keep you guys posted on that. And hopefully I'm not feeling like a bag of assholes for much longer. <laughs> I think the smashed assholes feeling will go away pretty quickly, hopefully. Yeah. Or maybe I think... I'll just be lucky and have it through the whole thing. Woo, yeah, so. Okay, well, everybody stay safe and go get your vaccination if you feel like it. And if you don't, then stay safe anyway. And we love you guys and we'll see you in two weeks. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.